Hello everyone, you're listening to American Meditating Radio. We collect wisdom, inspire each other, and empower hearts on demand 24-7. I'm Sister Jenna, host of the syndicated American Meditating Radio. Join us as we talk one-on-one with leading experts who answer life's most compelling questions. Because in a world of uncertainty, we need answers right here, right now. America Meditating Radio, a show for everyone to learn more about this amazing thing called life. Vibrations of love. And some say love is a verb. But much deeper than that, love is a vibration. It is that energy that stirs the soul and opens up the heart. Vibrations of love call out to the divine that connects us with the beauty of life and the oneness of it all. I need not to say it with words, although it is always nice to hear, but greater still, Feel it. Vibrations of love lift me higher and I fill the empty spaces within the soul. It is the divine in its purest essence. It is me at the height of my being. I am vibrations of love.
Hello, everyone. Welcome to America Meditating Radio. I'm your host, Sister Jenna. Hope you're doing really well as we continue to navigate our lives as best as we possibly can. Hopefully, you've also been following on our social media link. There's been a lot going on, lots of changes. We're also looking forward to acquiring a retreat place up in Virginia, so we would love your support and your definitely your good wishes and pure feelings regarding that. Today we're looking at life after breath, like how we look at life and what are really some of the tools and ideas and feelings that we need to put into our development. And sometimes near-death experiences teach us a lot. Our guest today, Jacob Cooper, is a clinical social worker, certified Reiki master and certified hypnotherapist who actually specializes in past life regression therapy. He works privately with clients through online services, and Jacob incorporates mindfulness and a spiritual approach to focus on the connection between the mind, body, and spirit. Inspired by his near-death experience and transformative encounters, Jacob facilitates spiritual awareness and empowerment through a lot of life-changing seminars. He's the author of Life After Breath, How a Brush with Fatality Gave Me a Glimpse of Immortality. Today we welcome Jacob Cooper to America Meditating Radio. Hi, Jacob. Thanks for joining us today. Hello. My pleasure to be with you, sister. Thank you. Same here. Same here. You know, I've often spoken to a lot of individuals who've had near-death experiences, and one of my practices in Raj Yoga meditation is to detach my awareness from my body or my five senses and go into the experience of the soul's original nature and state of immortality. And I've realized that it's so close to having a near-death experience. One is conscious, one becomes unconscious. But I don't always go, actually 90% of the time, I don't go as deep as a near-death experience. But I know, Jacob, that experience will change your life forever. Tell us a little bit about your experience as a three-year-old child that basically shifted the way life would unfold for you? Unquestionably so. That's a wonderful point where a lot of people will be inspired by near-death experiences, but they'll have a difficult time relating to it from their own experiences. So your words are very validating where, you know, you could experience heightened aware of consciousness and the eternity of the soul through, you know, deep meditation, which is a great rapport building with their internal nature. And so you don't have to die to find that. You don't have to wait until our last day in the body to find that. Eternity could be found at any given moment in time. But for me, I had upper respiratory highly contagious virus called uh, pertussis, otherwise known as whooping cough. And so there's a lot of parallels, obviously, with going on in today. And that was part of the impetus between uh, you know expediting the book to get out there. Endless parallels with today. But at the time, I went to a playground at the age of three years old. I went with my godmother, babysitter, and, you know, her family and, you know, my sibling as well, too. I just went to a park like a regular day. There's something auspicious in the air, which I, you know, get into a little bit more in life after breath, where something just felt that there was something profound on the horizon that I couldn't quite touch. You know, in the car, you know, I remember just getting kind of like a woozy, kind of queasy feeling. And in the corner of my eye, there was this, what felt like this kind of vacuum of my soul, so to speak, or this vortex that was 
just in the corner in the car and a familiar kind of sensation, just kind of suppressed, repressed at the time. I just wanted to have a good time. Part of me was telling me one thing, but, you know, my body was, and my youth was giving me another. And so I just went to the park. I went out of the car and I ran to the playground and I climbed up a ladder onto a slide. And as I climbed up each ladder and each rung on the slide, my breathing became a bit more resuscitated and more difficult. And when I got the top of the ladder of the slide, I began to just start losing, you know, my own breath. And I began to suffocate slowly. And then every part of my body due to suffocation just became powerless and wasn't functioning, almost as if you take a power breaker in a home and just shut off one switch at a time and do the deprivation of oxygen that was happening to my body. You know, once my car wasn't driving, I couldn't really be in it. You know, it's kind of like being in your own car and trying to put your foot in the gas pedal and the car's not working. So I kind of went outside of my car to just take a look at it and I was out of my body. And when I was out of my body, I was able to become aware of parts of my body and my brain that I wasn't privy to at the time at three years old. And there was this heightened sense of awareness that was far greater than the own intelligence that I had at the time. And as I was looking at the disembodied state of my brain and my body, I began to look at my brain and I could see all different parts of it and understand it fully without going to any type of you know, neural program. And this is at the age of three years old. And so I was able to see my brain and do the deprivation of oxygen. And I saw it and then I felt a large crack in my brain, almost as if you take a plug out of a wall and just pull it out and yank it out. And there's, there's just loud kind of, you know, thunder, you know, kind of sound within my brain. And once my brain literally cracked open, you know, just kind of cracked open, that's when God came in, so to speak. And, you know, I was on an infinite journey to upwards to eternity where I felt vibrations and had an euphoric sensation that I was beyond this time and space and this dimension and I was soaring to infinity where there was no possible limitation with how high I could feel or how high I could soar and I became aware you know in the right side of my brain of this mystical palace that was quite familiar and this palace when I looked at it its light was so powerful that I had to shield myself from looking at it. But when I tried to peer close to it, I knew instantaneously that this was the palace of the divine or what we would call God. It was a way of just understanding the Almighty and all that ever is and ever was. And it was profound. And moments later I began to start to heal, you know, hear sounds of, you know, angelic choir within this palace and, you know, this eternal light within it. You know, and a couple moments later I became aware of not you know, Jesus himself in front of me in person, but rather the consciousness or the sum energy of Christ. And it was a profound energy. You know, bear in mind, I had still my own human thoughts of worrying about leaving this world and my parents behind and, you know, the trauma of suffocation. And so there was an incubation period and an intense warmth that happened. Right. Uh, yeah. It's incredible, you know, because... Sometimes you think about the way the world is now, and sometimes we're just not very loving or kind or respectful to each other. But you have a near-death experience, and then you realize, but this is what we're supposed to be loving and kind and respectful. You know, you are 30 years old now, so from what perspective do you look at your near-death experience at this particular stage? Is it similar to what you just shared? No, I think... 
we aren't our chronological ages. We are our soul ages, which is timeless, which is limitless. And we come to this, you know, every carnation with the soul. And each carnation, you know, hopefully we get more evolved. And so I, I would hope that since that experience, you know, throughout different lessons have become more evolved. But, you know, the, the sacred observer, much like you talk about with meditation, you know, that is a part of you that is eternal. And so I think within life, there's an external portrayal that we have to others, which the mind and the body catch up with one another. But underlying that there's this whole other energy that is there from the moment we come you know, into the womb to, you know, till we go, and that is the soul, which is under the surface of the waters, that deep essence of our eternity. And so to answer your question, this was the full-blown experience of myself without, you know, a limited number or body or a temporary kind of role within this lifetime. And so this was a full-blown soul experience, and that's the way I saw it. It wasn't limited by any limited awareness of myself that we could all be at times privy to within this lifetime. It fascinates me that sometimes it takes a near-death experience for us to get it. (laughs) You know, it really does. Your new book, Life After Death, has received a lot of endorsements and reviews from a number of very prominent experts on near-death experiences, even like our friend Raymond Moody, Anita Morjani, Mark Anthony, to just name a few. What moved you? to write the book was it because the experience was so profound for you it just never left you and you just putting that experience on paper there's there's so many different you know motives behind it i mean certainly not making money was wasn't one of them no really the reason why i got this book out there and wrote the book in the first place was to give back what i was given in my near-death experience and i speak about my experience with the countless angels that I encountered and my spirit guides and, you know, God and, you know, Christ consciousness. And so from losing everything, losing my body and being in the utmost awareness of the finite reality of the body and, you know, and it's suffering from looking at death literally in the face, I was able to see the eternal light past it. And so my goal is to give back what I was given at a very young age and, it's not something that I have, have possessive of, but to give people the wind of God back and to really embody that within moments of you know suffering. I think today there's certainly a lot of that on a global scale. And so when at times we might be breathless and lifeless or feel like that on a direct or indirect basis, it's just to give back what I was given at a very young age in that experience. Yeah, and powerful it was indeed. As we look at the current times, there are some people that are beginning to recognize that near-death experiences are giving them some really deep insights into who they have been. Your near-death experience includes awareness of nonlinear consciousness with awakening to beings on the other side, but also past life memories. You are now a hypnotherapist as well who specializes in past life regression therapy. How can one benefit from past life regression therapy? Yes, that's a great question. You know, it's one of the most versatile tools that I think people could have. Hypnosis in general is just so versatile. You know, it could be applied to so many different things. But in particular, past life regression, you know, I look at as a psychotherapist, you know, let's say I'm working with a client and they're being stuck in one particular area. And so, in a way, we're just kind of hitting a wall, 
it's just another gear that people could access to really expedite their life. But beyond that, beyond the unexplained phobias, anxiety, tendencies, you know, that can't be explained really within this lifetime, it's not as pathologized. It's also strength-based where people could, you know, be able to unfold their greater gifts, their greater talents, as well as their greater purpose within this lifetime. I think so many of us live light out of our vantage point with how we see ourselves. And the moment that we see ourselves past this narrative, the more that we're able to open up different chapters of the book, the more that we're able to become aware of ourselves so that we can write different chapters, more evolved chapters, integrate the good. But I think so many people just write the same chapter over and over again, lifetime after lifetime. And I think messages are repeated until those greater lessons are embraced within incarnations. And I think this is all an earth school for us to evolve and you know, to greater extents of awareness. But I think it's a great tool of evolution, uh, as well as a great tool to understand the infinite nature without needing a near-death experience or a traumatic experience like I had, a suffocation, to remember that. You know, I have to say sometimes, have you ever found, I don't know, yourself or other people, they're sometimes afraid of going back into the past. Do you have any ideas, like, why would we be afraid of going back in our past when, I mean, it's already done, it's it's happened, Om Shanti, you know, I'm over it. <laughs> but there's right. some of us that do have this resistance. Is it because it was a really negative past experience, or is there something just sitting there that is really painful and the soul is struggling to see it? What are your thoughts? It could be. I think in our society we're, we're taught just to move on from things, to be stoic and to just move on, but I ultimately feel, you know, we don't move on unless we really address the core root of, you know, what we're going through. You know, otherwise it grows and becomes a bigger issue than if you don't address it. But I think certainly the art of letting go is not taught within our culture. I think most people would rather hold on to the world views and their views of themselves rather than letting that go and letting that just shell grow and opening up to a new awareness. And I think letting go for many is just very scary. You know, that's why, you know, within our culture, at least in the Western world, we hold on to the body until the last because it's like we're more comfortable with holding on than we are with letting go. Again, that has to do with the the vantage point of how we see ourselves, the moment that we see ourselves as spiritual beings, you know, the more that we understand, you know, there's a whole other energy that's truly about letting go versus the physical body. It's about possessiveness and holding on and just tangibilizing everything for it to be real to us and for us to have trust with it, if that makes sense. But, you know, letting go for many is scary as well as going to the past is scary because it might bring up stuff from what we were referred to as the past, but I think it's incredibly liberating if we're able to go to it and it makes our life that much easier and that much more informed with some of our life purposes and different roadblocks that we might not be aware of and the point of entry of those roadblocks. So, But I could certainly understand where people might come from and you know, how that might be scary and different angles of that in different schools of thought obviously have different perceptions of sure. the past. Sure. I get that. So what's in the future for you? What have you got planned as we navigate ourselves through this consistent pandemic? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, this, this definitely requires a lot of stamina. It's, it's a long haul. It's, it's about a year now, you know, since this first began. And we, who would ever think that this would have happened? It's just such a slowly building situation that we just had no reference of. It was 
quite foreign to all of us to be asked to live this way. Right now, you know, my goal is to try to embody that creative, eternal life force that I connected to, that I could best describe as God. And I think that's within all of us. And I think we come here to really be unique expressions of that. I view all of ourselves as unique sounds within this eternal tapestry of humanity. And I think the more and higher we vibrate, the better octave that we'll portray to the world outside of us. And the more that other people see that, and then they'll be able to really uplift their own sounds. You know, we kind of like work with one another, much like the person breaking the five-minute mile. When you see that in front of you, you're able to tap into that gear inside of you. And I think with the more evolved that we are, the more that we're able to bring in the hereafter to the here now, much like the life that Christ lived, it wasn't for us to kind of look at it with stargazed eyes, but rather to learn that we also have that same stuff in our side of ourselves, and we can embody that too. But my next project is finishing up my second book that I'm working on, which, you know, ironically happened in the playground, you know, kind of like a child in God's playground, so to speak. And, you know, my name is Jacob, and it happened on a ladder, you know, like Jacob from Genesis. So the first book is more of kind of like a inspirational memoir and a lot more the book is kind of geared toward people to getting to know me, to know themselves. So it was very much an engagement kind of book. Or my next book is, you know, just different tools and different ways so that people don't have to die to get to heaven, you know, that they could find different ways to bring it in the here now. And so it's just different rungs of the ladder that people could integrate to bring the hereafter to the here now. But that could be something that we don't have to wait for, that it could be rectified here and now. <laughs> mm. Lovely to hear that. Well, you sound like you're on the right path, and sounds like a lot of things are bright and ready for you. And I want to thank you for joining us on America Meditating Radio and keep up the good work and, you know, to be continued. Tell us where we can get information about your movements and about life after breath, how a brush with fatality gave me a glimpse of immortality. Yes, so if anyone is interested in Looking me up further, my website is jacobelcooper.com, and there you could find supportive services such as mindfulness, hypnosis, psychotherapy, but also my book. There's a whole page on that, and you could purchase it if you're interested on Amazon. So the book is a mystical roller coaster if you're interested in that. I think right now the, the common theme that I have that people say is that they're world-weary, and so I think this book is a great cup of espresso to really amplify your energy and to remind ourselves that this isn't just a human struggle thing. This is an infinite intelligence behind us, and this is indeed a spiritual thing behind all of us. And I guess from losing the human thing, I found the spiritual thing that really reminded me that there's such a greater intelligence far beyond this body and far connected to us that can never leave us at all times. And so I think it's a great book for people who are looking to really uplift their energy fields and inspiration. I think that's the ultimate oxygen for the soul that we need. And I certainly experienced that within my near-death experience. When the breath of life was taken from me, there was a whole eternal, infinite breath that I connected to. And I think we could connect that to that at any moment in time when we're feeling deflated or just out of breath. Beautiful. Glad to hear that. Jacob Cooper, thank you so very much and all the very best. Please stay safe. Yes, you too. It's an honor to have me on your program. Thank you for your good Same work. Here. Same here. Thank you. Thank you. All the best. Take care. You too. I know. So wonderful, now, huh? isn't it, everyone? Jacob Cooper. For more information, do contact him at jacoblcooper.com. Sometimes a life experience like 
you know, leaving your body can be the message home, the way to understand why we're here to live. Anyway, don't forget, no one can take away your happiness unless you give them permission, and we are here to love each other the same. So let's do that. Here's Bliss, message home. Take care. i 
I'm Sister Jenna. You've been listening to America Meditating Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Did you enjoy that conversation? Because you can also listen to it on Spotify or on iTunes, 24-7, anytime, anywhere. I do trust we all have inner power to become our very best when we listen with curiosity to learn more.